Climbing the Cone of Catastrophes Climbing the Cone of Catastrophes Beautiful but Deadly, Mount Taranaki is reasonably easy to get up. The hard part is getting down. I've climbed Mount Taranaki twice, via the Northern Summit Route which starts near New Plymouth and via the Southern Summit Route which starts at Dawson Falls. Mount Taranaki Summit and Phantoms Peak plus Dawson Falls and East Tegmont. Topographical map sourced from topamap.co.nz, September 17, 2020. Information from Land Information New Zealand, Crown Copyright Reserved You get to Dawson Falls from the town of Stratford. And from there also to East Egmont and the East Ridge, where there's a club ski field called the Manganu Ski Area. It's beside the Manganu Gorge, which is sometimes filled in with snow from avalanches, a sobering sight. Fanny Phantoms Peak Stratford's also a good place from which to view the largest of Mount Taranaki's side peaks, Phantoms Peak or Panatahi which is 1,966 meters high. It's on the southern side of Mount Taranaki and much closer to the summit than either Puakai or Kaitake, which I mentioned last week and which are actually the remains of older volcanoes. Mount Taranaki from the east, at Stratford, showing Panatahi slash Phantoms Peak on the south flank, at left. Public Domain Image, 2006, attributed to 42 Commons Wiki via Wikimedia Commons. The name Panatahi means an orphan all alone. The name Phantoms Peak honors Fanny Phantom who in 1887, at the age of 19, became the Phi RST woman known for certain to have climbed Panatahi. She climbed it as part of a mixed party of about 14 men and women hoping to get to the summit by way of Dawson Falls. Most soon fell behind, including all the women apart from Fanny Phantom. Eventually, Fanny and four men made it to the top of Panatahi. After some cheering the men decided to rename it Phantoms Peak in her honor. After waiting a while, the first group pressed onto the summit. But Fanny turned back after a short distance as she felt it would be improper to be so unchaperoned and that it might set provincial tongues a wagging. Soon married and renamed Mrs. Bailey, Fanny lived to be over 80. It must have been something to live for so many years with such a prominent natural feature named after oneself. Or after one's maiden name, at any rate. A sacred mountain is with other prominent peaks. Mount Taranaki has long been considered sacred in Maori tradition. According to current New Zealand Department of Conservation, DOC, literature, visitors are asked to show respect by not standing directly on the summit peak, not camping or cooking on or around the summit, and removing all rubbish. Mount Egmont was the mountain's colonial name, bestowed, as I mentioned last week, by Captain Cook after his patron the Earl of Egmont. But since 2019 Mount Egmont has been dropped even as an alternative, though the mountain was officially known for a time as Mount Taranaki or Mount Egmont. Lots of other New Zealand D-peaks continue to bear European names. Mostly South Island ones whose Maori names have been lost if, indeed, they ever had any, and which therefore now bear names like Mount Hopeless and Mount Horrible, as well as those named in a more serious vein after worthy citizens and places back home in the old country. Otago, of course is famous for its many burns, glens and laws, such as Mount Hernslaw, meaning Eagle's Crag in the Scots dialect. The Southern Alps also bear names you'd expect to find in the European Alps, reflecting the nationality of many of the alpinists who were first up these more difficult peaks. With names like Mount Schwertfager and Mount Schlossbach, the Zurbriggen Ridge and the Humboldt Mountains, you'd think you were in Bavaria. So, it's not too much for Egmont to be renamed in ways that respect its Maori significance, though international volcanologists will keep calling it the Egmont Volcano, as that is what they are familiar with. The Cone of Catastrophes There are three other things to realize about climbing the mountain now once more called Taranaki, all of which can be summed up by the word exposure. 
The first is that mountains close to the sea often have fickle weather, and Mount Taranaki is no exception. The mountain suffers rain or snow on two days out of three, on average. In spite of all those scenic views of the mountain against blue sky, on at least two days out of three, Mount Taranaki looks more like this. The second is that Mount Taranaki is quite steep almost everywhere, with lots of bluffs. There's a good risk of a bad fall if you slip or get lost in the clouds. The third is that there isn't really anywhere to hide from bad weather in most places. The steepness of the mountain means that the snow doesn't build up to any great thickness before avalanching off, and so it can be hard to dig a snow cave or to improvise any kind of igloo-type shelter from bad weather. And there's not too many places to hide from avalanches either. More than 80 climbers have died on the slopes of Mount Taranaki since the first recorded instance of such a fatality in the 1890s to which must be added the victims of the several aircraft that have crashed into the prominent peak in bad weather and darkness as well. For all these reasons, Mount Taranaki's been dubbed the cone of catastrophes. Having said all that, between 6 and 8,000 people were climbing Mount Taranaki each year a decade ago. And perhaps as many as 15,000 each year now. To be on the safe side, climbing the mountains generally only regarded as advisable from January through to April, when there is isn't much snow or ice to slip on and when there's also less chance of bad weather on a day that starts out fine. Even on the hottest days there is still a bit of snow and ice right at the top. So you do get to see some, at least. The Northern Summit Route How I got to the top here's a New Zealand Mountain Safety Council video about the North Earn Summit Route, simply called the Summit Route because it's the most commonly taken route to the top and does go all the way in the form of a marked route, unlike the Southern Summit Route which leaves you to your own devices after Panatahi, Phantom's Peak. The first time I tried climbing Mount Taranaki was via the Northern Summit Route. I did the route with a couple of friends named Rose and Daniel who lived in Fiji. It was quite a hot day and the walk certainly didn't become easier once we passed the Taranaki Alpine Club's Tahuranki Lodge, about one and a half hours in from the road end, and got onto the steep scree, loose gravel, slopes. While I hadn't climbed many mountains at that time, and Rose hadn't done any tramping for 15 years, I think Daniel really had the hardest time with it. He sat down halfway up and said there weren't very many high mountains like this in Fiji, where he was from, Rose was from New Zealand, like me. The highest mountain in Fiji, Mount Damanivi, is only a bit over half as high as Taranaki and forested all the way to the top. Climbing in scree above the low New Zealand tree line is really quite difficult, because for every step up, you slide back at least half of it in the loose ground, so it's just a constant up and down battle to make even a few meters. We finally made it up onto the lizard, a more stable rocky ridge, and then from there it was only another few hundred meters of climbing to the summit. We stopped for a short break aft are the exhausting scree slopes, then carried on to the summit, and I thought Daniel had done very well to make it. I enjoyed the tram, and the view from the top of Mount Taranaki was beautiful, over the clouds we could even see the distant Mount Rapu. In Fanny Phantom's footsteps the next time I was on Mount Taranaki was in 2014 with another friend who I'll call Bill for this post, though that's not his real name. This time the objective was to climb Taranaki via Phantom's Peak. Bill and I arrived in Stratford at around 9 o'clock at night. He wanted to stay in a hotel in New Plymouth, which I thought was a terrible idea as it would have involved a lot of wasted time on the road. I looked in the New Zealand Alpine Club journals for information about the east side of Mount Taranaki and found that there was a lodge, the Kapuni Lodge, owned by the Mount Egmont Alpine Club only an hour further up the mountain from the Dawson Falls Car Park and Vice Tour Center where these more southern routes generally start out from. Like the geologists the club has kept the old name so far, 
presumably to differentiate itself from the Mount Taranaki Alpine Club on the north side. Here are a couple of DOC photos showing the Dawson Falls Visitor Center and the 18-meter Dawson Falls, also known as Teirironoki, the waterfall of Noki. The Visitor Center, Car Park and Falls are at 902 meters, which is a fair way up the mountain already, and yet only a half-hour drive from Stratford. Dawson Falls Visito, our center, NZ Department of Conservation, CCBY 4.0, Dawson Falls, Teirironoki, K. Davis, NZ Department of Conservation, CCBY 4.0, the Mount Egmont Alpine Club was founded by Hawera Mountaineer Rod Syme in 1928, to build huts and promote outdoor activities on Mount Egmont, i.e., Taranaki. It's quite separate from the nationally organized New Zealand Alpine Club and also separate from the Taranaki Alpine Club, which seems to be more active on the north side of the mountain where their lodge is located. We rang the club and managed to book the hut. We set off, hiking at 10 o'clock and made it to the hut at 11. We were led into the beautiful Kapuni Lodge by the chairperson of the Mount Egmont Alpine Club, a lovely woman whose name was Maria, I think. I should have kept her contacts because the Mount Egmont Alpine Club seemed like the sort of people I could go out tramping with in the future. As Maria showed us around the hut, she told us to take care on the mountain. We fell to talking about the mountain's latest casualties, a couple who had perished during Labor Weekend in October 2013 a major public holiday which the New Zealand equivalent of America's spring break, when we call come out of winter hibernation and decide to do something adventurous. I'd actually met one of them, a Japanese man named Hiroki Ogawa, at Tukino Lodge on Mount Rapu when I was on a nice climbing course. The Japanese man and his girlfriend, a New Zealander named Nicole Sutton, had gone you P. Mount Taranaki on a trek organized by the Auckland Alpine Club. I had been very much tempted to go on the same expedition but for some reason I didn't. Hiroki and Nicole had set out at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and became separated from the group on the Lizard, in a terrible storm. They had tried to build a snow cave to shelter from the weather. They had been in contact with the police and their families, but rescue services had been unable to find them because of the weather, and they spent two days stranded out on the mountain. The rescue services had gone into action within an hour of the couple going missing. That's a Taranaki custom. Nobody waits around to see whether the situation is serious or not, because up Mount Taranaki, it always is. By the time they got there they found that Hiroki had died sheltering his girlfriend in a snow cave that was only waist deep and provided little shelter from the storm. Though still talking when she was found, Miss Sutton deteriorated and also died on the mountain a few hours later. Four years later, in October 2017, the New Zealand news media website Stuff.co.nz published an in-depth online story about the tragedy, called Too High, Too Late, Too Dead was published. It's freely available to all, we stayed the night in Kapuni Lodge and left at 8 o'clock the next morning to climb to the summit. Despite having climbed Taranaki before in Mount Rapu a few years ago, Bill was unfit and was breathless most of the way up, no one dare he had wanted to stay at a motel. After a while he decided to go back to the lodge. I followed the trail a few hours on up to Simhut on Phantom's Peak, named after the founder of the Mount Egmont Alpine Club. Simhut was first built in 1930 by the club, before being replaced in 1980 by the current DOC hut. The Mount Egmont Alpine Club website includes a link to a silent 1930 film about the opening of the original Simhut, which the film calls new. Check out the scene at about three minutes in, called a precarious vantage point atop Phantom's Peak, I wonder if it's still there? A composite of two scenes in the 1930 film is the camera pans downward. You can see the edge of the National Park behind the cloud, and then beyond that, 
the coast. Those were the days. Some Victorian probably set up huge camera on a tripod atop that very vantage point, at some stage. The film also gives you a very good idea of how cloud-prone and misty the mountain is. From Phantom's Peak you cross the Rangi Toto Flat and then proceed on up to the summit of Mount Daranaki. I had to use my ice axe on the rocks, a technique known as dry tooling. The view was beautiful, especially looking up toward the Taranaki summit. One of the really conspicuous features that you can see from the mountain is the circular edge of the National Park, still called Egmont National Park at the time I made these collages though it is now called Te Papakura o Daranaki. I lost my breath getting up, but made it to the